Little Giants, Rocket, Trouble with a Snap, Pride Comes Before the Fall, and Hey Diddle Diddle, Sadler Up the Middle. He was both Ozymandias and Winston Churchill. But beyond any of that, he was a Spartan. Mark D'Antonio has stepped down as the head football coach of Michigan State, and so we're here to take a victory lap on our prediction of at least two coaching changes. You're listening to a special edition of Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined, as always, by the man who speaks to the horses on a coaching carousel, Kevin Greck. Thank you for listening, and thank you for indulging us in a special episode to discuss the breaking news of Mark D'Antonio stepping down as a head football coach. If you could, please share this podcast with the Spartans in your life and follow us on the old Twitter machine at Spartan underscore pod and definitely subscribe to the show. Uh, Kevin, we, we posted a new show this morning and then life changed. Yeah, I, I want to put in a word and say that most of that show is still relevant, and it is. Um, but I know that everyone's moved on and no one's going back. The only chance we have is that we gave it to the Detroit News and Tony Paul pretty good for about 15 minutes. <laughs> yes, we did. And I do think we're, we're probably going to you know, head back in that territory again today. But really, for a minute. the crux of that uh, argument was done yesterday uh and i think that at the very least should be worth your time um and also msu just dropped a home game to penn state are, are we acknowledging that even at all yeah i mean we it, maybe at the end we can we can say a couple words about it but you'll get our full take because one of the nice things about doing a weekly podcast is that we get to look at in basketball in particular we don't have to live and die by each game so uh, check back in next week uh, for a fuller, more reflective picture of MSU basketball, because I think neither of us are in the mood right now uh, to, to talk that game. But we're only doing one postmortem today. And it's gonna be <laughs> the D'Antonio legacy. <laughs> D'Antonio legacy. Yeah. Uh, but hey, uh, you said from the outset, two coaching changes. And by my count, uh, D'Antonio stepping down as one and... Good old Mike Trussell hopping up to interim head coach makes two changes. That's a change. It counts. Count it. Well, we're actually, uh, we have a question that someone wanted us to to cover uh, a little bit on the rest of the coaching changes that we'll get into a little while. Um, Before we sort of do a full postmortem, we are not going to do a full promo for Frazier's, but they are presenting sponsor, Frazier's Pub, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Packard Street. Go there. Drink some beers. Anyway, Kevin. Uh, let us talk. Yes. Um, I, uh, I, I found this out and I thought someone was trolling me, uh, on mm-hmm. Twitter. It, like I didn't believe it at first. And then I heard it was on the message boards and I'm like, well, I'm not inclined to believe message boards, but they were right about Jalen Naylor. Uh, and <laughs> they were right about it, not our message boards, but Xavier Simpson being suspended that, that came out. I believe through them first um, message boards have people who know some things. Sure. That's um, why you pay for those uh, for that access. <laughs> to be clear, know? we don't, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I, um, 
I, I was, I will say, I, I was I stunned. We're going to spend some time talking about the order in which people knew. That's interesting to me because it sounds like from what I'm hearing, my sources, <laughs> real sources, real high sources, up, high up in the admin didn't know this was happening until today. No one knew. Which was uh, alarming because uh, D'Antonio gave a press conference late in the evening and said that this has been a conversation that's been happening for a couple weeks. But Well, it sort of lended some credibility to the rumor that there had been discussions with Bill Beekman, who had asked for some things. That would all you know, play into the calculus of a decision like this, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I, I guess let's real briefly, because I'm sure people who are listening with this are, are pretty familiar with the timeline, but um, around two-ish today, um, that is to say Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, the rumors started buzzing pretty hot. And then uh, there was some confirmation from Spartan Mag, and then shortly thereafter, uh, around three, um, a tweet went out from Mark D'Antonio saying that he was stepping down. Mm-hmm. My initial reaction was pure anger. You were hot. Yeah. You, uh, you told me that you were seething at one point. Yeah, I, uh, I, and 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 so you know. This is the problem uh, with uh, Twitter and, and to a, a greater degree, probably the the way news gets rolled out. Um, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that Mark D'Antonio didn't intend to retire via tweet um, and that maybe some things forced the hand of an announcement. But at, at first blush, it seemed like he was just making a Twitter statement and that was the end of it. Mm hmm. And I could not have been more angry at him because it was it's the day before signing day for recruits. Um, it is past the time, seemingly, to hire someone. We'll get into that in a little while. Indeed. And, and you owed me more than that. You just received a giant check that admittedly you earned. No beef about you getting paid. But, like, you just got a big paycheck. And you came off two seasons that were uninspiring. And you led us to places that we never imagined going. I mean, even even at you know when we were in college, what we aspired to was not competing for a national championship. And he took us there. So to to peace out on a tweet, yeah, I was angry. I was furious. How did you take it? I I don't want to say that I you know saw this coming or I'm such a rational being that I was unfazed by it. But we've been talking about this possibility for a while now. So the I, the possibility of it was in the back of my head. And I knew that even if it didn't happen this year, it was going to happen soon. It was going to happen one year out, two years out. Or, I mean, I've also been saying for three or four years now, just like, keep in mind, Mark D has already had a heart attack. Um, we made a heart attack joke in the last episode that I'm not proud of now. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's a rich man. He doesn't need this job. That was what I got out of his press conference today is that the job weighs on him. 
not just, you know, the football stuff, but, you know, he made references to trying to control 120 people and their behavior, made references to wave after wave of additional things coming after him, uh, not after him, but on top of him. And if you don't need the job and you don't know that you're in it for the long haul, I think it makes perfect sense to step away. Yeah, I, I, I mean, so to, to fill out the rest of the timeline, uh, around 6.45 or so this evening, Mark D'Antonio gave a press conference that um, was, in my mind, sincere and heartfelt. It, it seemed like we were getting more candor uh, and reflection from him than we've gotten in a long time. Mm-hmm. And one of the to your point, yes, it it seemed like Mark D'Antonio was um, it didn't need the job anymore and was just ready to quit. Yeah. Um, but what was intriguing was also that he spoke about the recruiting process and visiting people who are you know juniors and you know, selling them on something, he, he, it felt like he felt guilty selling them on something that he knew he couldn't fulfill. Well, you got to think there's been tons of negative recruiting about Mark D'Antonio for the last two years and his longevity and, and those types of things. So with these people, with recruits, like that's very salient to them. So he would have to go in and reassure them, like, no, I'm your head coach for the long term. Yep. And I know that a, there's a lot of people that are criticizing Mark D'Antonio. And again, we had this whole 15 minute segment last episode that is still worth listening to. Um, oh, you're the thirsty one today. I love it. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to plug that thing because we put a lot of work into it. <laughs> we, we we did put a lot of work into it. And, and for what Greg's referencing is uh, we took a deep dive on the four articles that Tony Paul published. We're not talking about the one that came out today. Um, but uh, a couple weeks ago that we tried to bring some receipts to our unhappiness with some of the reporting. But anyway, Indeed. continue. What the point I was trying to make is that I know he's under a lot of criticism right now in some areas of the media in particular, but I've always found him to be a man in spite of those criticisms that operates in good faith. And I think he probably found it very difficult to lie or to embellish to young men to tell them, you know, no, don't believe everyone else. Come join us in East Lansing. It'll be great. I'll be your coach for the long, for a long time. And in looking at their parents and saying, you can trust me yeah. to be a mentor to your son. Well, and, and, and so it's, it was not only the lying that he talked about, or I mean, not lying, but that he felt like mm-hmm. he couldn't be genuine, but also that he realized at most he had another year in him and that, yeah, he he looked at the season in front of them and realized that this it, he didn't say this but it was implied that this is a rebuilding year and we've talked about that that this hopefully is an exciting team and there's going to be some things to be you know optimistic about moving forward but that it's not going to be a, a a great winning season um we can look forward to maybe a 7 and 5 season maybe but you you hope to see some excitement in that, but not going to be a great season. And so if you're going into a rebuild year and you've only got one year left in your tank, then if you care about Michigan State, then what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. And it, it's time to step away. And so this is 
why I do think, sorry to interrupt you, but I, I do think that long-term this might actually benefit MSU, especially if the rumors are true that he wasn't going to make any coaching changes. It was going to be a rough year. All of the rhetoric and the fan base and the media would be about D'Antonio, you know, going his own way. And these are the results, even though any reasonable person could look at that schedule and assume that MSU would lose games. So the ideal time probably would have been right after the bowl game. But this might end up being better than going through that whole year and then potentially doing something like this again. But the but after that, and then you do the whole interim thing. I don't know. I don't think it's the worst possible outcome. It's abrupt and it's weird in a lot of ways. And I think we'll address that as well. Um, But I think program wise, maybe it is best to just sort of move on at this point. Yeah. So I guess I, I think it's it's worth taking a second to maybe reflect a little bit on on D'Antonio and what he did. I, I think he's mm-hmm. owed a bit of a, a a reflection. And, you know, it's it's funny because Alex Plum had asked us via Twitter question uh, what to this past week um, about Kobe Bryant's death. And, you know, do we are we forgetting necessarily negative things or do we put a pause and and I know Mark D'Antonio has not died I don't mean to to put them in the same category in that regard but this is an end of an era it, it is it is the end of Mark D'Antonio as a coach here and so it's it's interesting to me because for the last few weeks we've been talking about complicated and problematic things during Mark D'Antonio's tenure not to mention the fact that for the last 2 years the team has been underperforming and yet in this moment for me and, and I'm curious how you feel I'm sad I am yeah. I'm I'm genuinely sad to see him go and there there is a bit of anxiety that I feel about what's next and and so we we won't talk about it in this particular moment but there's a lot of speculation a lot of rumors a, a there indeed some reporting and and I'm hearing from people that I trust that it's going to be Luke Fickle. Um, and, and we'll see if that pans out to be true. But my understanding is that the conversation with Luke Fickle is about dollars at this point in time. So, okay, well, we, let's we'll, get we'll to that. It. Let's, let's get ta- to that later in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about but, legacy. But so, yeah, I, yeah. I think that's a good instinct of yours. Right. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But the, 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 the point is that in this particular moment, it's, it's done. And so I am less inclined for this moment to think about those negative things in the last two seasons and more about uh, where we came from. You know, you and I were around for John L. Yep. We had three years of John L. Yep. The thing that made that gas bag Mike Valenti popular was a game that you and I were at drenched watching us lose to Notre Dame. And that is still to this day, one of my favorite Spartan memories, weirdly. Yeah. But, but it was, it was a time where there was weirdly eternal optimism, yet there was no reason to actually have it. And then Mark D'Antonio came in and I, I didn't know who this guy was. I wasn't particularly high on him. You know, coach from Cincinnati, who cares? 
and and then he immediately spoke to us and changed my mind. There are three moments of my football MSU football fandom with Mark D'Antonio that really stand out to me as I reflect back. One of them, let me make sure I get these these right in order too. Um, one of them is someone asking me shortly after he was hired, like, what are your actual expectations of this guy? And we had just endured John L., like you said. And I think I said at that point, I just want reliable seven, five, eight, and four seasons out of someone. And that's the mindset at that time. The second one was very shortly thereafter. I think I've already mentioned that this on the podcast here. The moment in his second or third game against Notre Dame, second or third game overall, when a sideline reporter was asking him something about Notre Dame's coming into the game doing this and that, what do you anticipate Notre Dame doing? And him replying, I don't really care about Notre Dame. I care about the Spartans. And I just remember thinking like, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. This dude gets it. Like this was before the little brother stuff and like, oh, he gets it there. I, I had that feeling then in that moment. And then a couple years after that. So there were a couple like not exactly kind of rocky years two, three rocky years, but there was a moment at the peanut barrel that I can remember where I was sitting, where we were going over the next year's schedule. I don't remember what the next year's schedule was, but whatever it was, I was looking at it and I announced to the table, get used to winning football games because we're about to be winning (laughs) a lot of football games. And it happened. It took place. Those years after that were very very fruitful in terms of winning football games. So I'm appreciative to that. He exceeded expectations. He clearly understood the culture here at MSU and it, he delivered in a lot of ways, a lot, a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and I, so the reason I brought up change is that only in that even in down years, there was some modicum of trust that I, I felt like I could afford D'Antonio, mm-hmm. even when it wasn't necessarily warranted any longer. And I'm sure there are some people who listen to our podcast who are pulling their hair out and, you know, probably would call me a boomer, though I'm not even close to one, but it, that he, he had earned it. He has earned my apprehension, and I know it's time for change. I, I do. It's, it's, it is, my feelings are very complicated, but for me right now, I am sad and I am nervous because I knew, I, I knew what I was getting out of Mark D'Antonio, and I knew that win or lose, at his core, he knew what it was to be a Spartan, mm-hmm. and I didn't, I didn't have to worry about that. That for sure. that lose that losing to Michigan is unacceptable, like it, that you know, and it happens. But that that it is a fuel that drives us in a way that uh, few other schools can probably relate to. And so, and I know there are a lot of great rivals rivalries out there. I don't mean to undercut those, but it it, it is deep in our core, <laughs> and, and so. You know, I, I just, I, I think it's worth remembering to your point, Greg, that 
not only did he understand those things very intimately, but also took us to a place where suddenly Mark D'Antonio was no longer acceptable. Mm -hmm. And for that, any Sorry, of you, a place where did you say Mark D'Antonio was no longer acceptable? Yeah, he, he, yeah, he, he brought us to a place where what he was doing was no what longer he was okay. Then producing was not acceptable. Yes, gotcha. right. And so I, I, I think for anyone who was on the fire D'Antonio bandwagon, uh, a for a moment, let's take a chill pill on the celebrations, and B, know that the reason you can feel that way. It, it, the reason you can expect or hope to expect a nine-win minimum season is all because he showed this university what could be. Well, first off, and I don't want to move us away from this quite yet, but I don't think anyone should be celebrating this because there's so much unknown right now. Sure. What I want to do right now instead is if you had to point at one moment in your Michigan State fandom during the tenure of Mark D'Antonio as your favorite or most euphoric moment. What is it? Oh, most euphoric. Well, it, let me start with favorite uh, because and give me a second to think on euphoric, but favorite is, and this is just sort of deeply personal to you and I, uh, to Alex Plum and to my dad and, and uh, other friends of ours was going to that bowl game. That was a bi- that was a big freaking deal. And it was it was a genuine moment that <laughs> didn't go well. It was a genuine moment and cause for celebration that we hadn't really felt before. Uh, and so I would say uh, D'Antonio gave me what he did for me was give me a an experience in my college years that a lot of other schools are used to, but that we weren't. And so uh, I, I would say that was maybe my favorite uh, D'Antonio moment. Most euphoric? God, I, it is a toss-up between Little Giants and Rocket. Uh, it might be Rocket because of the Keith Nichols story. How about you? Well, I have to say that I'm going to feel like a really like a real jerk because I'm not going to include that bowl game in my list after asshole after. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's really cool. Mike that you feel that way about me, but it's just like not reciprocated. The feeling <laughs> I, the bowl game was fantastic. Uh, though, even though not, neither of the Orlando bowl games really worked out, uh, for us that I went to, uh, they were both great times and I really appreciate those memories. My favorite moment, I think, is the first Big Ten championship game that MSU won. The first Big Ten championship game is one of my least favorite moments in sports fandom. Oh, actually, I have to, I have to re-edit my euphoric moment. I have okay. to. So when, when I was standing there in, in uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, and Ohio State fans started just sort of disappearing from around me towards the end of the game, and it, I became, I started to realize that this was going to happen. That was like a real moment for me in my fandom. My most euphoric moment is Rocket for sure. Like being in the stadium, not knowing what was going to happen, the announcement, people going crazy. Like I don't even know what happened around me in the 
like 10, 15 seconds after the announcement that it was a touchdown. Like the stadium was nuts. Absolutely nuts. And then like apparently ESPN just kept broadcasting from Spartan Stadium for like 20 minutes after the game. If you go back and look at the tape, it's just like a Spartan party in Spartan Stadium <laughs> on national television for a long time. Fantastic. What is what is your amendment? What are you doing? Uh so most euphoric moment, and this is not going to please the listener of ours, but um I went this was the 2015 Big Ten Championship game. And I was living in Philadelphia and went to the the bar I was a regular at to watch the game. And I went with a very good friend of mine, listener of the show, who is a Hawkeye. Iowa fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I can honestly say that the most euphoria that I have ever exuded <laughs> is when LJ Scott... <laughs> reached across and then moved the ball to avoid a hand and pushed it into the end zone that I, I, I made people in that bar uncomfortable. <laughs> like it, it was the, the best feeling in the world. And, 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 and in truth for me in that moment, it was also because we were playing for the highest stakes. Sure. You know, that, that was a, you win this game and you are in. We didn't know at that time that MSU would get housed by Alabama. <laughs> well, I, I think there was some thought, at, if I'm recalling correctly, there was some thought that maybe we would warrant a three seed. I don't know that that mm -hmm. changes whether we ultimately get housed by Alabama or if we just get housed anyway. But still, that was, that was a moment of sort of culminating D'Antonio making us a, a perennial top 10 program. Mm -hmm. And, and so look, it, it, you, you brought the question up. I think it's a great one because it is worth, as we remember his legacy, my God, it, I mean, before that, my, my, my favorite Spartan memory was a loss in the rain, <laughs> Notre Dame. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, what is that? And, and he changed all of that. So, um, Let's let's talk a little bit of timing. Um, I know you had some some sort of thoughts on this and maybe a yeah. comparison. I haven't seen this a lot out there and it kind of surprises me. This reminds me a lot of a beeline situation. You've got a coach that brought a program back from the doldrums had a in the case of beeline he kind of had a thing going like it this year w was perceived to be a bit of a rebuilding year for michigan basketball but not to the extent that msu football is and then he just sort of disappears one day and it was as unceremonious as today was the players found out basically through the media kind of like today uh the players found out after i think most of Spartan fandom found out it sounds like they were in workouts and then they were told at the end of it by a staff member or something like that um not Mark himself um so I uh I don't know and that sort of leads me into and most notably at a time that is sort of inconvenient for hiring a new coach um which yeah. leads me into sort of the the next thing um speculation rumors innuendo 
Mark D'Antonio made a comment during his press conference today that people are going to crawl to MSU. Excuse me. And on principle, I agree with that statement. I've seen a lot of garbage on Twitter. That was my favorite. That was my favorite comment that he made today. Because, mm-hmm. And not to like interject, but the to tie it back to some of the other moments you acknowledged uh, about when, you know, when he really turned the tide, that comment today exuded the same confidence yeah. about MSU that pride comes before the fall. I'm going to be here for a long time. Um you know, I'm only focused on the Spartans. You know, those. It is the he. He is. He is projecting everything about this university that we wanted to be projected about this university. Mm-hmm. That yes, this is a destination. People should come here, and people will come here, and they will want to retire here. I so, completely agree. There's been a lot of like Twitter talk today about how. Oh, MSU is a worse job than Cincinnati. Oh, MSU is a worse job than, you know, Central. Oh, what MSU is. That's garbage. MSU is a good job. MSU has been to the college football playoff. MSU has been, has won three national champion, not national, Big Ten championships in the last 10 years. It's been to the Big Ten championship game three times. Everyone when things were good, everyone talked about MSU was this sleeping giant that like Mark D'Antonio came in and roused. And now everyone's like, oh, MSU's this garbage program. I I don't like to be in the habit of calling out radio programs, but I tuned into the Jack Ebling show today when the news dropped. And there was a lot of like, ugh, Minnesota's a better program than MSU. And that is just not true. PJ yeah. Fleck would take the MSU job over the Minnesota job. If he had, if this was like a dog with like two bowls of food and he had to choose one, <laughs> like he wasn't already at Minnesota, he would choose the MSU job. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. MSU is a fantastic job. It's one of the, it's not like the basketball program where it's one of the 10, seven, maybe five best jobs in the country, but it's definitely a top 20 job. And yeah, and can, can I just interject 10, real quick? Yeah, of course. Go ahead. Well, yeah, because you're you're raising a great point that I just want to add on to, which is, you know, for all the talk about, uh, oh, it's the you know one of the hardest divisions in the country because you got Penn State, Ohio State, and uh, Michigan. Well, a one of those schools uh, definitely has not gone to a Big Ten championship and definitely has not even flirted with a college football playoff. So, screw you, Michigan. But Beyond that, if you are serious about competing for a natty, if you are if you are a true competitor, you want to come to this division. You want to get a a school that has the resources and the drive that was built by D'Antonio to get back there again. Mm-hmm. The, it, people will it, it will be if you build it, they will come and Mark D'Antonio built it. Yeah. So There's sorry. A so clear. That, I just blueprint. had to say yeah. There's a clear blueprint that was sustained, too. It was not a flash in the pan. It was not a one-year thing. It was a sustained culture of winning for a long time. There was a flash in the pan in a 10-win season a couple of years ago, but for a long period of time, MSU proved that it can win. 
it can recruit Michigan, which is not a fantastic, super fertile recruiting grounds. I'll give it that, but it's much better than Minnesota, for example. Ohio produces more players than it knows what to do with. Pennsylvania does just fine. Illinois is a little dicey. Uh, as we know, recruiting Illinois can be tricky, but they rep- <laughs> they produce some some players as well. Um, there's plenty that can be done here. The issue, I think, and this is where the comparisons really come in with Beeline, is the timing. The timing might be tough to pull in a good coach. I know there's already rumors out there about what's his name at Iowa State turning down offers or you know requests for interest or whatever it is. I should have written it down. Matt Campbell. Uh, Matt Campbell. Pardon me. Thank you. And that doesn't surprise me because the timing is bad right now. And if things don't work out with Luke Fickle or things don't work out with Narduzzi and MSU has to do something kind of out of left field like Michigan did by hiring Jawan Howard. People weren't really expecting that, although apparently Beeline had conversations with him about being named a coach and waiting a few years ago, but whatever. Um, I think, I think if a coach doesn't end up coming to MSU, it's more of a timing thing and less of a prestige of program thing. What do you think? Yeah, I, I would wholly agree though. I think the one the one asterisk I would put on that, the one sort of counter that if I was having a conversation with one of these coaches is that uh, some people say you have the toughest schedule in the country next year. So if there's a better time to hop in on a program and get a total pass on a not great season, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that you're going to find one. You've, you know, if people talk about like you get three years to build a program, and and then you seriously get on the hot seat if things aren't looking on the upward trajectory. You get four if you start this year because no one expects anything out of you other than just be competent, call plays, don't screw up the timeout situation. Like, I, I, I ask nothing more than a competent offensive playbook. You know, it would be nice if they stuck to sort of the defensive principles that clearly worked well for Michigan State. But, you know, it whatever um you do you but it, you get a pass next year you mm-hmm. came in late you have a really tough schedule I, i'm not expecting anything out of a new coach there are two things that i would point out in the situation one is that you <laughs> as the athletic department goes recruiting coaches one thing they can point at is that they'll stick with their guy against yep, yep. A hurricane, they'll stick with their guy. Um, so you have the commitment from the administration, and I I know that there's a lot of people out there that will criticize that. And two, you're recruiting coaches that think they have the answers, that think they can go out and fix anything. So they're going to look at the structure of, mm-hmm. of what's available at MSU. They're going to look at the successes that they've had before. You're not recruiting coaches that have failed. You're recruiting coaches that are still on the rise. They're not going to get scared away by, you know, maybe a recruiting class coming in right now that doesn't look that great or a building year or a really tough schedule. I think really the issue here, if there's a problem recruiting a coach, is the timing. And I think even that can work itself out. But we'll see. Yeah, so let's say one more note about timing because there's somebody 
yep. whose name rhymes with Bony Tall. Um, oh, wait, is that you? No. Um, <laughs> who tried to make this a little bit about him. So we we talked at length yesterday on today's podcast that came out um, about some of the Tony Paul reporting. And uh, Tony Paul has another article out today. And I will admit the timing of the article and then a tweet retirement felt weird. Yeah. But if you take a second to reflect, this is nonsense. And so what the article was is that Tony Paul uh, regurgitated some allegations that Blackwell's attorneys made that Mark D'Antonio had committed NCAA violations. First of all, for a wrongful termination uh, suit, who gives a shit? Like, it doesn't matter. But second, the allegations of NCAA violations are two. One is that at a visit to a five-star recruit, Curtis Blackwell came in the home of the five-star recruit. Curtis Blackwell is not a coach and so therefore cannot do in-home visits. Cool. Like that is not a that is not a massive violation. Yeah, one conversation six years ago on a recruiting trip for probably a recruit that MSU didn't even get uh, does not a head coaching career ruin. No, not at all. The second one, which at first blush seems a little more salacious, is that the parents of uh, two players were hired by boosters and that that was somehow coordinated by MSU and Mark D'Antonio. Well, they were hired at MSU through the coordination of Scandalaris is what oh. it is, right? Because one of them is sure. yeah, Cody yes, White's yes, yes. dad, right? Yes, Who effectively right. took Blackwell's job. So I, so, I, so I first really... Of, first of all, I just want to say ahead. that it's important it's important to note about the the hiring of parents of players which does have a gross feel and taste at first blush mm-hmm. um but what is important to remember is that this is something that gets cleared through a compliance office which is to say that is not per se impermissible now that doesn't mean that in this particular instance that it it was permissible or was on the up and up but again, this isn't something that ruins a coaching career. So, and for as much complaining and hate there is about MSU, Mark D'Antonio, and his recruiting, if he was straight up paying the parents of players to get players to come to MSU, we would have way better recruiting classes. Like, <laughs> just the, the idea that, that D'Antonio is like dumping bags of cash off somewhere and we still can't land recruits. Yeah. Bonkers. Just bonkers anyway sorry i interrupted no uh, how about though the idea that the detroit news will be the useful idiot for uh curtis blackwell yet again in his uh, so curtis blackwell and his lawyers have a vested financial interest in humiliating the msu football program yep and tony paul and the detroit news are all too willing to just publish whatever they say whether it's with merit or not i didn't see anything in that article that said Hi, my name's Tony Paul. I'm the author of this article. I actually corroborated anything in these stories. He did the, the, oh, Blackwell's lawyers claim people are saying that. The 
BuzzFeed news level of journalism that yeah, he, I, he I guess a, has permeated the industry at this point. He's just like, oh, this is what they're saying about a thing amplifying a message that really only benefits Curtis Blackwell and his yeah. finan- and his legal effort against the university without and, and, corroborating it at all. At yeah, all. And, and so it is... <laughs> Look, because we're not saying that anything there is per se untrue. That's not our point. The point is, is that Tony Paul essentially summarized a court filing and no one else did that. And, you know, the response from D'Antonio's lawyers were one of the sanctions they asked for. And this is this is quite alarming was that the the lawyer for for Curtis Blackwell should no longer be allowed to practice law that as a former attorney I can I can assure listeners out there that is a huge ask that that you are you you are having a full blown meltdown about what they're doing and feeling that it is so wildly inappropriate now you're not going to get that to happen right like mm-hmm. that's not going to happen but that is that is above and beyond what a normal sanction request would be. So every, I, I'm, I assure you that every single news outlet in the state had access to that information. And I'm betting Blackwell's lawyers or Blackwell himself, I'm speculating here, sent it directly to Tony Paul because they know that he will be a mouthpiece for him. The news was the first one to go with it. The other outlets didn't go with it for hours. They only did it after they had to because it's sort of context for this larger D'Antonio leaving the program type story. So yeah, the timing is very important there that it, when you t- to your point, especially <laughs> parlay this to our, our previous episode, that when we talk about how things were sourced and you're really challenging them. This is really lending credence to the fact that Tony Paul is heavily sourced by Blackwell and his attorneys. Mm-hmm. And, and to the point that it's starting to make me grumpy because it, it, it feels like he's not being a good reporter anymore. And, and that's my complaint. It's, it's not good faith, I don't think, anymore. I, I don't think he's entering this in, in good faith. Any, uh, now, it doesn't take... He's getting the clicks. He's getting he's the clicks. He's getting the clicks. I, that's why I drew the comparison to BuzzFeed. Um, now, it doesn't take a super genius to put it together that these are strange circumstances for a 13-year head coach to retire. And it seems like maybe this may indicate some kind of scandal in the football uh, department. I'm not hearing anything about that, but I, I think if there is such a thing, this Blackwell stuff is not it. It couldn't possibly be it. Right. I mean, unless those allegations about hiring parents are very serious and we don't know because the journalist that reported it at first didn't bother to do any additional journalism. And again, Um, if, if that was the ethics level of Mark D'Antonio, we would have seen way better recruiting classes on a consistent basis. Yeah. (laughs) Like the, just. So, so I, I just, I don't know how a football program could expect to get away with hiring a parent improperly. Like that's going to come out eventually. So I, I, there's all this talk on Twitter about what kind of coach will take a job with these pending NCAA violations. They're bogus. 
we don't know what the problem is yet if there is an actual problem. And at least one of those violations is super duper minor. That's a, yes. a self-reported violation. Like that, that is nothing. And the, the fact of the matter is on the other one that Mark D'Antonio says it was sent to compliance. The compliance person says that they don't, re- they don't recall that or uh, the, the answer wasn't a no, that didn't happen. It was merely a, I don't recall. Yeah. So uh, Blackwell's lawyers are saying that D'Antonio potentially perjured himself. Do you want to really quickly give a, a legal background for how difficult it is to prove perjury? <laughs> Yeah, so perjury is not merely saying something wrong under oath. To prove perjury, the reason people don't get convicted of perjury, because people, I assure you, at depositions, people say things that are untrue all the time. To prove perjury, you have to prove that someone lied. Proving that someone lied instead of misspoke, misremembered, forgot, it is damn near impossible. So D'Antonio didn't perjure himself. Oh God, these these people are just a joke. And that Tony Paul is just pumping out these sent- I can't. All right, let's move on, Greg. Yeah, go back and listen to last week's episode, if only just for that part. Um, I want to talk about coaching rumors. Uh, now, I do I want to say- wait, can, we say can we say thoughts and prayers and RIP to Mark D'Antonio first? <laughs> oh, sure. I mean, just- uh, it, it feels like a very quick transition to who are we going to hire next? And so we just want to say a quick uh, thank you to Mark D'Antonio and a uh, very sincere go green um, because uh, you you did things for us that we never imagined. So thank you. Yeah, I, I don't think we're never going to mention that dude again on the podcast. I think he's going to continue <laughs> to be very relevant to MSU football for a while. Um, I uh, I want to say from the onset, I'm very appreciative to the people that have reached out to us with their insight and their rumors. Um, I'm sure they're very well sourced and I really appreciate that. I don't want you to stop, but what I will caution because I don't think a lot of people in this fan base have experienced a coaching search before. What I will caution is that they can be bananas. (laughs) Yeah, if this drags on, you're going to get to the point where you're hearing like crazy things from guys that like know Bill Beekman's like former landlord that like (laughs) knows something like until you've lived through the Red Cedar message board thread that discovered that was tracking private planes to figure out that (laughs) MSU was hiring Mark D'Antonio like you have not experienced a coaching search and maybe this one will resolve very quickly maybe the rumors are true about about luke fickle and there's just contract negotiations going on right now i'm inclined to doubt that though because i've seen this before well let's not let's not forget greg shiano who we featured prominently on the pod yeah i mean he was in then he was out then he was back in again like yes. and, and they to your point, these things are bananas. It's gonna be rough if this thing drags on. It's gonna get hectic. It's gonna give if, us a lot to talk about. If we are genuinely talking money with Luke Fickle, that does not mean it's a done deal. Not even close. And well, my, my last line on this, uh, what used to be my last line on this outline that we threw together before this, is just spend the money. 
MSU has the money. Big Ten Network is printing cash. Spend the money. Don't learn the lesson from Michigan. Don't languish in mediocre coaches for multiple yeah. cycles. Yep. If you have a guy worth spending the money for, spend the money now. Are you tapping your microphone? I'm tapping the uh, desk. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Just it felt like very uh, Khrushchev over there with uh, the shoe. Uh, but I mean, you know that it's funny that uh, to me that we we moved so quickly to Fickle, and you know, it, 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 a I will say when Mark D'Antonio got hired, I was like, who's this guy? Like, mm-hmm. don't care. Uh, Cincinnati coach, cool. Um, so I am not like super up on Luke Fickle, which if my track record is an indicator good things are coming our way. Yeah. Um, but it, I'm curious, and I don't know that we'll ever get a postmortem on this, because if the Luke Fickle thing is true, that we are talking dollars and cents with him, then that means this conversation was happening early. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious who else we reached out to. Like, do we, do we call Chris Peterson? Just curious. Oh, for sure. If you're calling, uh, again, remind me, what's his name at Iowa State? Forgive Matt me Campbell. For Matt Campbell. I'm sorry. If you're, I'm inclined to believe a rumor like that. Um, if you're calling Matt Campbell, and you should be, even if you're talking dollars and cents with Lou Fickle, it's like if you're applying for a job. Like, you don't apply for just one. Yeah, you're inclined that even if you're on the fifth inter- interview or whatever it is, maybe stop putting applications out, resumes out, you should probably keep it up. And this is where Bill Beekman earns his 600K or 675 or whatever it is that he makes. If you are an athletic director worth your salt in the situation that you were in, where we were speculating the entire time this podcast has existed that Mark D'Antonio might retire, you better have not just been collecting a list of dudes. You better have been reaching out to agents gaining you know like figuring out who's available who's not available all of that groundwork should have already been going on if they're starting at square one today msu effectively didn't have an athletic director and we're just paying some guy to sit in the chair yeah um so i want to talk a a few things about what a new coach means but before we do that we did have some people who wrote in some questions which i thought were good and so let's just touch on them real quickly um first raymond chains wrote in with uh, the question will the entire coaching staff likely be scrapped and the foundation ripped out uh, uh, <laughs> well phrased raymond well phrased yes. <laughs> uh i'm inclined to say no right now i mean it's impossible maybe even likely that the staff is going to remain the same going into the season i mean well you did send me, uh, and I'm going to try and pull it up real quick, The some information about what happens with the assistant coaches. Yes, the offensive, uh, the offense of, uh, assistant coaches, they only have one year rolling contracts, and they have to be notified by March, I believe, or April. 15th, yep, March 15th. Whether or not those will be renewed. So if I'm, if I'm Trestle and I want to keep this job, and I probably do, uh, all of a sudden I'm putting my, which he's probably had in the back of his head, like what happens uh, if well, I Well, Trestle's on job. a two-year. But he's got to be thinking like, okay, if I go into this season, 
as the head coach, who do I want on my staff? And everyone that's worked in an office knows you evaluate everyone else around you. So (laughs) I would bet that he's got a pretty good idea of who he might want to replace or force out. Um, But we will get a pretty good idea. Like if we don't know by mid-March, either MSU's got to pay that contract or they're sticking around for another year. Yeah, if if things are as far as we're hearing with Fickle and, and it closes, which I imagine would happen within the next seven days. You know, I'm just thinking how quickly Shiano moved when, when it finally did move. Um, and if they've been talking to Fickle for a little while, again, this is assuming the rumors are true, which Greg, the thing is correctly the, pointed out doubt. Fickle, if the rumors are that strong, he has to come out tomorrow during signing day and say, no, I'm the coach here. D- Dude is cheap, by the way. His bio's only two mil. Yeah, I mean that that's nothing. Um, so anyway, if if that's true, uh, that you know, then I think Fickle does some offensive cleaning house. Um, you know, the other guys, we'll see if he buys out. I wouldn't be surprised if he kept Tressel, but I don't know his relationship with his defensive coordinator. So we'll see. Um, next up. Uh, Matt Thazier wants to know, do we think this announced, uh, only because they are close to a deal with Fickle, <laughs> so they plan, uh, so they need to clear, uh, the path? I think that's a very optimistic way of looking at it, Matt Thazier. I appreciate that. Um, given how sudden it is, that seems unlikely. There was one thing that I thought that this, that the D'Antonio regime had sort of given MSU football, and that was a, clear transition of power maybe onto the next guy and this is clearly not a smooth transition of power so i don't i really doubt that you had to get rid of mark d'antonio to hire luke fickle i i don't think there's anything out there that says you know one coach has to be officially retired before you can sign a contract with another i think you could have you know made it official at 1855 place that Mark D'Antonio is going to retire and then sign the contract with Lou Fickle. And then Mark goes out and makes a, you know, a statement to a press conference being like, I've decided to step down, but the program's in good hands, blah, 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 blah. And that is not what happened today. No, not at all. Um, Last from our favorite troll uh, is the best time to announce a sudden retirement an hour before or an hour after a a damaging story drops. That's from CT and TC. Appreciate it, CT. (laughs) Is that a beeline comparison? I mean, did he have a damaging story? I don't recall one. I don't think so. I think that was a complete, complete surprise. I mean, um trying to think of things that i can say about beeline uh, yeah whatever anyway uh i think an hour after yeah you gotta go after you gotta see what the initial reacts are maybe yeah. it all blows over yeah You'd- um regarding the coaching search though let's move on uh it, we've obviously talked a, a fair about a fair amount about fickle you know perks are clearly can build up a program um came from the same school that Mark D'Antonio came from. 
uh, knows the Ohio region, which you had pointed out as fertile. Um, but the other two names being floated uh, floated around are uh, keeping Trestle potentially. You you haven't just been an interim coach for a year. That's going to be a dud year, and you know you can can him if it doesn't work out, or maybe it does. So you can gamble for cheap. The other is Pat Narduzzi, um, our good friend who I think I'm the lone fanboy of. Um, but it, all the press seems to be saying that it's fickle, right? I mean, I don't know, man. I I don't. The Detroit don't News is re- or Detroit Free Press is reporting that it's fickle. Is so, reporting that it's fickle? That I, I will here. Uh, what, what do they say? Uh, give me groovy donuts or give me some Hoff or something. Um, oh, oh, someone delayed, someone delayed signing. Um, sources say that Luke Fickle is the front runner to play, replace Mark D'Antonio. It doesn't mean anything yet. No deal is currently in place. Well, that that's another way of saying they're talking dollars and cents. No deal is currently in place. If there was a deal in place, there would be a contract. I uh, okay. Hold on. Now, where oh, Jordan Simmons delayed his commitment. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so doozy. I uh, we've had this conversation already a few times. Uh I think that his tenure at Pitt has been mediocre. Yep. That's fair. I mean, I think everyone on the podcast already has a feeling on Narduzzi baked in. I don't think it's really worth relitigating it here. It is interesting that the press has just moved straight on to Fickle as the guy straight away because Narduzzi is the clear successor to the program. But um, then there are the, you know, the ancillary, uh, just like people throwing names out stuff. And until we start hearing... Yeah. Come back, complete that circle. So we start hearing about people actually getting contacted and people actually potentially having interest. I I think it's foolish to sort of speculate wildly on those types of things. It's the type of thing that other I'll leave to other media outlets to do. Yeah. So last question for you. Is it now that we mentioned that Jordan Simmons, uh, a uh, running back who uh, has some a decent offer list, um, is delaying his commitment? One other place that's a giant question mark is the quarterback position. Yep. Let's pretend that we hire somebody new. It's not Trestle. We we bring in someone from the outside. If you're the head coach, do you go dive in in that transfer portal? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. you do. I think that this is very damaging to MSU getting a transfer QB or really any transfer if you stick with Trestle or have to stick with Trestle. And it's a boon to MSU in the transfer portal if there's a brand new coach because it's like hope springs eternal. You can sell all the optimism on the planet, blah, 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 all of that stuff. Um, I'm inclined until until a new head coach is hired and then it's all out the window. I think the transfer portal is going to be very difficult to pull from at this time. Yeah. Uh, couldn't agree more. And, 
you it, to sort of what we touched on earlier, you hope that MSU wraps up whatever it's doing quickly so that coaching decisions can be made. You know, if those guys need to take a year off, they take a year off, but they can start, you know, working on their next role, you know, whatever. Um, it is, it is who of, uh, Bill Beekman to move quickly. Do you want me to go drive by 1855 place and see if the lights on in his office and there's stuff going on in there? We can report on that. Yeah. And then I can get my diapers ready and be prepared to come over <laughs> drive there on out and just pull that statue down. Uh, really just de- deface the legacy of John Hanna. Um, if, if a hire is not made in approximately seven days. All right, Jonesy. Yep. Greckers. Anything else you wanted to add? Any no, last other than thoughts? Uh, apparently, I just want to be very clear for the upper deck jerk guy. It is Greg, not Greg. He apparently thought I was calling you Greg this entire time. Kevin Greg. That's my name. Just start calling you Greg. There's uh, one last one last thought that I had. I it did stick out to me that Mark D'Antonio said that he may be involved in the search for his successor. He may not be. That struck me as kind of odd. Yeah, it seems like if you your program guy, program, 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 all that stuff, you're still going to be here. You're accepting a job in the athletic department. You claim. I don't know if that will end up happening or not. I would have thought he'd take a, a bit more of an interest in that. Don't you think that that could lend credence to the possibility that they're near inking a deal with somebody? And could. if it falls through, then he will participate. But if not, then that means the deal gets signed. Good. It's possible. All right. Well, uh, this has been a bonus edition of Can't Read, Can't Write. Uh, we thank you all for listening and tuning in. We do, again, I'll, I'll continue the thirst here. The episode we just did was pretty good, so if you haven't listened, check it out. Um, but, uh, Kevin, it's been a hell of a day. Yeah. So uh, let's just leave it where we always do. Go green. Go white, Jonesy.